We kept looking, took another peek, and then we conquered, folks. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your U.S. Open Cup match-winning Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am your gracious host, John. Alongside me, as always, is the David S. Pumpkins of Minnesota Soccer Podcast, Mr. (laughs) Nathan Morales. Pumpkins, what's good, my friend? Well, John, we won in spectacular fashion, so right now it is all good. I'm on a a glass of mezcal next to me. I'm enjoying some mezcal because I'm all out of bourbon after this this weekend's festivities. But, uh, you know, as always, I am my own thing, and these skeletons are part of it. Any any questions? Oh, oh man, uh, I couldn't. I saw you posted about David Pumpkins on uh, on Facebook, and I was like, I gotta gotta small try to figure out how to uh, incorporate that. But um, yes, folks, unless you've been on a multimedia cleanse over the last five days, you know that we had a little open cup soccer um, that we have to discuss today, which will take over the majority of our show this week, um, and there's much to talk about. We'll start off by talking about um, the lead up to the match day and kind of what it took to put on the show for the people. Um, nothing better than match day. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about what the folks saw up in Blaine. Uh, we'll look at the game plan as far as what we were looking for and what we saw um, out of uh, the guys um, and what our successes were as well as what we, what we, we wanted to stop um, from an Oakland County perspective. We'll talk about what happens now that we are moving on. And then we'll preview next week's show. We'll probably bring on a a, a little uh, a little city at school, um, you know, and we'll we'll maybe put a little poll out there and with some players and see uh, see who the the people want to hear from from guys that are either at school or who are uh, who were connected with city last summer that they want to uh, to hear from. So you know, unless we got anything else, Nate, we can really just dive right in here. Yeah, let's do this. So, Nate, let's talk about what went into putting the show on for the fans. You know, I, I want to start off, um, you know, with your take on the on the day of. You know, you know, we were you were up in the announcing booth at the hallowed historic National Sports Center Stadium. Um, what indeed what, I was. What my what you know what my friend was going through your mind. Uh, you know, what were all the feels you were having? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, first time I've ever had I've ever gotten a chance to to grab the microphone in a in a real venue like that. Uh, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> and not in like a shed with a fridge that won't stop buzzing or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just like, you know, even just like a, you know, high school situation like that was, you know, it's not the most extravagant of all stadiums, but just knowing that like this is the real deal and this is how this is how Minnesota United, uh, you know, handles it week after week. It was, was pretty exciting. I think getting there, man, you know, we'll talk about all the people that, that were helping out, but all of us were just kind of going about our business, scrambling around, trying to make the thing happen. I don't think we really had a lot of time to start thinking and worrying about the game until, you know, I started thinking about it maybe 15 minutes before the game when I started actually having to worry about announcements and like, Oh man, this is really happening. Right. You know, and I had all the the same type of feels, you know, it seemed like 
we you know getting to the stadium and then and then all of a sudden we won the game it was like just you know a blur and maybe a little bit in between there i was yelling at the ref um um, or the referees but um you know being that i was boots on the ground you know my take on things with the lead up to the match was very much so um like it always has been for me um you know the night before i'll be honest with you i was a mess uh, the, the nervous energy was at a was at a twelve out of ten. Um, you know, uh, I had a checklist a mile long, um, and on top of it, I had some out of town guests visiting me. Um, that led oh, me, man. it kind of led me to do the one thing that I do best, um, and that's get a little bit drunk to kind of ease my my nerves. So <laughs> I put back just like summit after summit um, in anticipation for this match, just going through all the scenarios in my head. Um, until there wasn't anyone left standing at my house, uh, and then I still couldn't sleep from the excitement. So the the morning of was a little bit uh, a little bit rough for me, but um, <laughs> you know I, I pulled uh, pulled my boots on one at a time and and, uh, and and got there. But even the drive there was just like I, I didn't have any music playing for about half of it, just kind of collecting my thoughts and thinking through the different scenarios and you know drafting my Herb Brooks uh, speech before the, <laughs> that I'd give the players before the match, but it was just anticipation was so high and the excitement was so high that I just couldn't wait to get there to, to get it going. Yeah, man. I mean, so that's you. What about, what about the players? So once you got in the locker room, how were they feeling? What was, uh, what were the, what were the boys acting like? I mean, they were walking in one by one and you could just see on their faces, just the intensity that were already starting to build, and then in the excitement that they had, it was. I mean, buzz is the is the word that you can you, that is perfect to describe it. It was just like all the preparation that we've been going through for three months leading up to this, and you know all the what if scenarios, and and it really just business. It was business time. They they punched in. They were ready to go. We had a brief moment um, for the guys to kind of walk out on the field too, to kind of, you know, I wanted them to be able to take in the atmosphere before it was time to get down to business, you know, just to, to show them how, how cool the, 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 the whole thing was rather than them just going through it like it, it was a job. And, you know, I really didn't need to say much to, to get these guys going, but, you know, we'll kind of, kind of get into that in a little bit as far as, you know, what I did say to them before we walked down on the field. <laughs> uh, so, Kind of the opposite of that, I feel like would would be this Oakland County team, and I and I say the opposite because our guys kind of had that that opportunity coming from around the cities to kind of keep that their mental, I don't know, awareness and that, that kind of amped up feeling at a high level through the you know through the whole afternoon. Well, these guys just got off a twelve hour bus ride. I don't know if they spent the night if they did the bus on Friday or what the story was, but I mean that's not that's not a short trip. And so I'm sure, you know, as excited as you are to to get this tournament underway and, you know, to get a victory, once you leave Detroit and drive all the way around Lake Michigan and up to Minneapolis, you're going to be kind of – the excitement will have dulled. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And we saw, like, through their Twitter feed that at, like, 7 o'clock p.m. the night before, they were still in Indianapolis. So, that you know, that's not something that you want to you want to see and – you know, hats off for those guys. That's out of the they they were in indie. That's like oh, that's so out of the way. Yeah, I I know. I I didn't ask any questions on that. But you know, we've seen that travel can be tough, and obviously we didn't host a back to back like we ran into this this summer. But um, you know, they they turned up, and you could just tell that they didn't have that buzz that we did, which was I was able to help 
turn that into our favor when it came to team talk time. And and then they, you know, we get out on the field for warmups, and they we, we saw they they didn't bring a full roster. Um, they also didn't bring any soccer balls to train with beforehand, so we had to borrow them some soccer balls. They didn't have scrimmage vests, you know. They just didn't look like they were prepared to be here, and yeah. and it was a little disappointing, you know, because you know you want to have an opponent come in and, and throw everything they have at you so you can really test yourself against them, and and they did that, but. Early on was like, are you, you're, you're kind of joking, right? Like this is this is this is what we're facing today. That's that's a surprise because I mean, if you're gonna make that trip, you might as well make it worth it. Like try to right, you know, go all in on it. But oh well, right. So you know, I mentioned it before, and I you know about how we were all just kind of you were, I was, we were all really focused on doing the job before you know and couldn't really get too, uh, you know too intimidated by the whole situation. But, um, you know, there were a lot of other people besides us that were there and I want to kind of give some shout outs for people to, you know, definitely thank them for helping out. Of course, chairman Hodeman was there. He was running, he was running all the game day ops. He was making sure the show was all set. Dude was running all over the field. I mean, back and forth, <laughs> trying to find the janitors, trying to find the, the man, the property managers, like all this stuff to get all the stuff ready and perfect for, for kickoff. And, uh, Considering that he just his wife just had a baby the, this week, I think that's you know hats off to that guy for even being able to be awake for this. My favorite part, <laughs> my favorite part about that is uh, he had a he had a sixteen ounce summit in his hand almost the entire time. He was double he was double fisting a number of times. Like there was a time when the internet went went out in the booth, and I had to come find him, and he just kept the two beers and was just chugging up the stairs like not good timing and trying to just <laughs> trying to drink the whole time. The guy was. Uh, uh, the guy was a machine. He was at 100 for sure. <laughs> but speaking in the booth, uh, Eric Nordquist was was doing the, the call of the game. And if you watch the YouTube stream, hopefully sooner or later we'll get that audio back up. Um, but he did he did the, the call for the streaming. And that was that was awesome to have him. He's a K-Fan employee. Uh, he does all the Minnesota United stuff too, doesn't he? He does the uh, the on-field reporting for them. The on-field so. reporting for them. So he's, you know... I. I didn't get a chance to listen to the stream because I was uh, obviously watching the game two booths away or two doors down. But, uh, you know, hopefully he did a great job. It sounds like everyone was pretty happy. Of course, Nick Sint was running around, uh, another co-founder of yours, running around making sure the venue was set, making sure we had what we needed, uh, dropping rosters off, going kind of being the go-between between the teams. Sarah, as usual, in, the, in her merch booth, getting that set up. But Dustin also had his talisman caps uh, set up there with his with his wife and baby. That was really a cool, cool family environment. Um, and then Nick Hutton was injured, but he was helping corral those ball kids. Those ball kids were they came to party, man. Yeah, they were they dancing and jumping around. They loved every song I played. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, even was... the ones with even the ones with an accidental swear here and there. Well, it was it was nice. <laughs> um, you know, we we were asking for volunteer help and, and I, you know, I, I looked kind of down the roster and, and Nick was a guy that I, I could definitely look at. And I was like, you know, we could let me reach out to him and see if he can help. And he was, he was more than willing to help. So that, that was great. Especially, you know, like you, you lose sight of little details like that. Like, okay, we need ball kids. And then it's like, okay, well they get there. And then it's like, now what do we do with these kids? So it was yeah. great to have him to be that kind of that go between. And uh, thanks to those kids too. They're from uh, the North Oaks football club way up there in the northern suburbs. Um, but I guess it was a quick little quick little jaunt for them to get to Blaine, so that's nice. Right. Um, and then, of course, interns and volunteers were taking tickets. I saw, um, saw the interns came back for the game. That was really cool. And, of course, the citizens were getting drunk on the bus from the Nomad, and they came ready to class up the energy 
of the uh, of the whole situation. And I think my favorite part about that was that the citizens not only were wearing their classiest uh, attire for the game, they which you know was in all its weirdness and glory, which I thought was awesome. But they set up right behind the Oakland bench and were just like really ready to give it to Oakland County for the full game. And yeah, and you know like. Even some of the banter back and forth that I heard down at field level was was it was nothing derogatory and it was very playful and I think that that um, you could tell after the match that even the Oakland County guys kind of gave him a gave him a clap and and thought it was thought it was it was good. Yeah, you know I I, I love the citizens because there's something about them. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but they start out I'm sure just rubbing these guys the wrong way, like if. <laughs> like even even in uh in Cedar Rapids and some of the, some of these other some of these other teams that we played, you know, they start out probably like have not having any idea what what these citizens are going to bring and then you know, they they endure two two halves of just constant rips. But by the <laughs> end of it, by the end of it somehow they're all taking pictures with them. <laughs> like yeah, like man man bun was all about it and at this time like they're the Oakland players I saw them um, that was of course during the season, but then in this game, like the Oakland players were taking pictures with them and we're really loving the, the TIFOs and all that. It was just really cool to see how, uh, <laughs> just an, ex- an excited and, and involved supporters group makes, right. uh, makes the whole thing better. And I think, you know, I, I usually take away like one thing I hear from each of the, the citizens escapades. And in this match, it was, uh, um, at one point, you know, there's only like three people on the bench. Right. And then at one point there's uh there's kind of a lull in the game and I hear someone say, you guys only have one player. And then they're like, so do you, you can hear it like come back from the bench. And then it was just a dead silence. And you hear someone go, clearly you can't count. <laughs> it was just something as dumb as that, that I thought was, uh, I thought was awesome. <laughs> well, let's let's get on to the game, man, because that's the important part. Right. Uh, so obviously you'd spent some time and we talked about it for a number of weeks. And I was trying to get it out of you, like what the game plan was going to be at Oakland. And you were you were very coy and that as you as, as is your privilege. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, I want to know, like, what were you what was your plan going into this game? Well, there were a few points of focus that we wanted to we wanted to have as far as keys to our victory as it pertains to the opponent and the first one um really i mean in you know it, it's kind of it kind of builds off of itself as a couple different points but we we focused on on 8 10 14 and 1 and you might think like what the heck is that is that like your my locker code from high school <laughs> um you know like uh <laughs> No, what what it was, um, number eight was keep an eye on um, Captain Sean Sloan at all times because we knew he was the guy. Um, we talked about him beforehand um, that he, he was the one that we had to contain or stop in order to lead to success. And um, as as advertised, the guy's good at soccer. Mm, and yeah. I think anyone there or watching at home on the stream could see that he he's the real deal. And, you know, was a class class guy afterwards as well. Um, number 10 was uh, pressuring Theo Fortris, uh, Fortis, however you want to, yeah. Fortress. Um, the Fortress. The, the Fortress. Um, he was the guy that we, we singled out as the link between getting the ball from their back line through the middle to their, their forwards. And, and he liked to sit deep. 
and he didn't mm-hmm. like to be pressured right away. So we, we wanted to um, to key in on him when he had the ball and and move up our, our pressure to uh, to frustrate him so he couldn't link up with the forwards. Um, Fourteen was defender Ryan Messick. Um, and what we wanted to do was make sure that he was doing just that he was defending and not attacking from what we saw in, in the matches that we streamed of theirs. Um, and from what we heard from some of their opponents was, uh, they're successful when he gets into the attack, um, from a numbers standpoint and, and he's good at getting forward. So we wanted to make him be a true defender and, and really, um, get him kind of stuck on his heels versus being on his toes. And then finally one was keeping their goalkeeper on his heels and, and attacking him from all angles. And uh, much like Sloan, um, their their keeper, Steinwasher, was, I mean, he was as good as advertised as well. And that guy, if, you know, we'll get into the game, but, uh, you know, the, the outcome could have been extremely lopsided if not for our effort at somehow not being able to finish easy chances, but um, him just making save after save. And then he got kicked in the face. And yeah. then, like, by the end of the game, like, half of his head was swollen. <laughs> um, and, and he stuck in there, and, and he continued to play. That guy was just cartwheeling in and out, upside down the whole game. I was so impressed with him. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to follow him next season in uh, on the East, in the East Division for uh, for, our, for our league. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the keys to Minneapolis City's play. Because I know leading up to the game, really the only thing we talked about and kept hammering home was fitness. And I know we're going to talk about it even more later. But, um, you know, what, are, what were some of the other keys that you, that you focused on in the lead up to, uh, to this game? Well, we had um, kind of four and a half keys to the game. And um, number one being shape and pressure. And what I mean by that was... Spanks? Were you wearing Spanks? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just keeping that shape in tight in the in the spandex, <laughs> making sure there was a lot of pressure on, on, the, gotta look, on the flab. Gotta um, look good. Gotta look good. Look good, feel good, play good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but as far as our, <laughs> our team shape, what, what, what I told our guys is that the number one thing that will cause us to lose this game is if we don't keep our shape. And that's making sure that we have coverage both um, when we have the ball as well as when we don't have the ball and making sure that we're defending as a unit versus individually. Um, and I thought we did a really good job of that, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, pressure, which was, um, we knew these guys like to sit back and kind of maybe we'll sit back a little bit even more because they didn't have as many players and, and maybe not even the full complement of their three subs. Yeah. Um, and that if, if we can pre- pressure them and, and, and give it everything that we have, you just wear them down. Um, wear them down and making sure that, that pressure isn't coming in our defensive third, but coming in their defensive third. So starting that pressure with our forward line um, was, was a key. The next was communication. Yeah. Um, we built on it like every training session where we have a group of some guys that are used to playing one style together and some that were used to playing another style together. Um, but just talking through what we're all doing and what, what you know, what the game is presenting each player and what other guys are seeing from maybe behind a guy or, you know, a run that a guy's making that someone else isn't seeing that guys are, are constantly talking through and then also calling out when they're being pressured. Um, yeah. And then fitness, like you talked about, um, if you were at the game or you watched it, we clearly were the team that you could tell um, was prepared physically for uh, a 90 minute game or, and then eventually the overtime period. Well, holy crap. I mean, talk about like, Coming in, hoping you're prepared for 90 minutes, and then having to go 120. Mm-hmm. Like if these guys weren't ready for 90, they were uh, 
definitely not ready for the for the extra time. Right. And I I mean, I having played in in this tournament before, I knew what to expect from the fact that you could easily be better than a team but have to play play it out in overtime and we saw that. Um but being prepared to um, have your tank run out when uh, the when penalty kicks could potentially be over versus after forty five or ninety. Um, yeah. then, then the last thing, you know, the 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 simplest adage in soccer: just score one more than the other team. You know, hey, mission accomplished. Right? We we don't have to we don't have to to set our sights on a, a ten nothing victory. We just need to win by one goal. Yeah. And as far as the team talk goes, yeah. What were you telling these guys? So, I mean, that's something I'm going to ask you a couple times. You know, with the, sure. with the with halftime and then after the full time. But like before the game, what do you talk to the team about in this situation? Well, like I mentioned, we didn't have to get them up for the game. They were like well up for it when they when they got out of their cars in the in the parking lot. But what I told the guys, and you know, you can talk to any of them and they'll confirm this. That I I basically told them that. Look, in, in my playing days, if I looked across the field during a warm-up and I saw an opponent that turned up unprepared without soccer balls to warm up and, and had to go with shirts and skins during a possession drill... Is that what it was because they didn't have their pennies? I was wondering why they were doing that. Yeah, and not to mention only bringing 13 players. I, I told them my teeth would be chattering so hard that I was at the chance to just punish a team like that at all costs and then really reward them for that... Um, what could be seen as disrespect by just an utter pounding and just <laughs> working them into the ground and then walking off the field smiling and that they couldn't touch us from the, the first whistle. And, and that was exactly what I said. And, and I didn't even have to, you know, raise my voice and, and get all, get them all amped up. As soon as I said that, I think the guys realized like, yeah, these guys disrespected us, um, whether it was intentional or unintentional and we were going to make them pay for it. And then everyone just flew out of the locker room like i had to get out of the way i was so i didn't get trampled by like the just the the thundering herd of of uh players trying to just get onto the field as quick as possible to get this thing going nice well um so let's talk about this this game man and i think you can read a pretty solid recap on the 55-1 i really think kyle did a great job but you know we're gonna we're going to get a little bit more in depth. I'm not really going to go play by play as much as he did, but I do want to start with the starting lineup for, for Oakland County, because there were a number of players that we had touched on uh, last week, thinking that they would end up making the trip that we were worried about that did not make the trip. Um, Kyle Breitmeyer was one of them. He was supposed to be their, their target man, their top striker. He, he stayed home, right? George uh, Chomakov, who is another, who is the another guy that you had mentioned last week. He stayed home. Uh, Danny Dragoy or Dra- Drago the Dragon, he stayed home, right? So like that's three of their top of their top players. But um, the ones that did make the trip, of course, Sloan and Steinwasher were almost enough to to give us fits. But uh, man, when you travel with only thirteen players and one one of them is your is your coach, that is not a good sign, as you have said. And uh, and and we really brought the heat. We knew we knew who we were gonna who was gonna show up for us from the beginning and we've been talking about them over and over again over the course of the couple weeks and I think just they were already in a hole from the from the get-go yeah you know and I mentioned before too like even just seeing them turn up to the, the field it was like you know they, they didn't they, they looked tired which is obvious from a travel perspective but they didn't look like ready to go and you know I don't know if it's just me being naive and in, in my experience in something like this where you 
or just always to any soccer, including like men's league Sunday pickup, <laughs> you, you know, like you just turn up prepared or you don't play well. And, yeah. and um, you know, we were going to throw everything we had at them. And I don't know if they saw us play ever or they, they did the scouting that we did. We just crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's to make sure that we were giving our guys everything that we, we could and it didn't look like they had done that. It looked like they were just going to turn up and hope that they were the better team that day. So let's talk about the starters for Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis City. I kind of want to get your thoughts behind some of these decisions, um, maybe if they were a last-minute ad here or there. Um, but we had Tim Willis starting up top as the as the target man, and I think that's something you had talked about that's that he had earned pretty solidly, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, during during training yet behind him it seemed like wexler was was more moving into the attacking midfield role um he seemed to have the freedom to go right or left but he he kind of stuck central most of the time and made some runs into the box and then behind him martin uh in in a traditional midfield role and i think martin had tons of space all day martin brown um and when then miles was behind him more more the holding midfielder you know helping out on defense doing a lot of tackling. And then out on the wings, of course, we had a bye and Whitney Brown. And that, you know, can't make any – There's make no mistake about it. Those are the guys that deserve to be out there. And then the back line I thought was interesting because we're missing um, a few players, right? Evan was hurt. It looked like AO was hurt. He didn't suit up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had uh, Chapman starting on on the left. And then, you know, your center backs of, of Joey Gustafson and AJ – as a center back and then uh and then charlie adams on the right was the aj decision one that you were planning to make or was that because because of some injury well aj is is by by tradition more of a defensive midfielder and he has he has spent time at center back and we kind of played around with our formation and kind of threw that out the window um and, and went to what we had what we went into this game with um with having two center backs instead of having just three across the back um having a traditional four and, yeah. um, you know, Joey, who most people hadn't seen much of because he was, you know, kind of one of the, the handful of mercenaries we brought in, um, you know, was is a traditional center back. And what we needed to pair next to him was another guy who would work hard, tackle hard. And then when he had the ball at his feet, could keep it. Um, and we, we slotted AJ back there just for that because he's not one of those guys who wants to get the ball and dribble five people. He wants to get it and get rid of it. And that's kind of what I was looking for as a partner with, with Joey. And, and I thought AJ played fantastic. Yeah, I think so too. Were there any last minute, um, any last minute changes because of, because of injury or anything like that? Or were these the guys that you'd kind of been planning on going with for, for a week or so? Well, we initially had slotted in, um, bringing Chapman off the bench and having Evan, um, BR starting left back. Evan picked up an injury on Thursday in training, which, you know, I feel kind of gutted for the guy because he, um, he was playing good soccer. Um, but part of having 22 players and a roster of 18 is having a guy who can step in and, and play. And I thought that, um, you know, there was, there was never a, a, a doubt as far as, you know, who I would go to in that, in that role. I, I knew that, um, Chapman could do a job. Um, I knew that E-Man could do a job. I knew that um, Landy could do a job, all that left back role. Um, yeah. And I, I just kind of looked at the, the landscape of things and, and kind of went on off of, you know, off of the cuff and, and with my gut decision. And I thought slotting Chapman in there was the right move. Um, he put the work in um, and, you know, I thought 
Um, we, we talked through his play, you know, throughout the, the halftime period, um, you know, and one minor adjustment, but you know, he didn't, he didn't do anything that, you know, I didn't think he, you know, he, he wasn't going to do. And, um, you know, he stepped in and, and got the job done. Yep. So early approach to this game, like you said, you were looking for a lot of possession and you were looking for, um, you know, just to, just to pressure, pressure, pressure and, and get some balls into the box. And you definitely did that. I think there were multiple chances for us within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think right away, Tim had a, had a chance. Um, Abai had a chance at, at nine minutes or so. Um, you know, was this, was this kind of the plan to just to show up and start punching face or was it just how the ball was falling? Um, well, so as far as our, our number one game plan, um, as that we were building off of as a team would, was to keep the ball and to attack as a unit versus trying to find maybe a long ball. Um, and the reason why we do that is because it's much easier to, to lean towards a longer forward direct pass. Um, if you know, you can keep the ball than having to try to figure out how to keep the ball. If your game plan is just to kick the ball forward. So we, we just, pounded possession into these guys and, um, you know, stressing the, you know, the five yard pass and keeping the ball moving. Um, and you, I think you saw a lot of that throughout the game that we had the lion's share of possession and we did, you know, a hell of a lot of keeping the ball moving. And, and what the game dictated then was the, the long diagonal balls. And I thought you saw, Eventually, yeah. you saw that open up earlier on and the guys kind of looked, looked at me and, and kind of looked at themselves like, should we still try to keep it short and, and attack with possession? And I gave him the green light. If you have that pass, make it. And yeah. I thought that, um, you know, you saw it early on with the, the, the cross field um, passes that uh, Charlie Adams was making um, over the top to Whitney, those yep. long, those long diagonals. Um, and then even Chapman doing the opposite for a buy or whether it was Martin um, or, or miles kind of hitting that pass over the top, it was on early. So, that only compounded that we were going to have the ability to lump the ball forward with purpose and then have numbers up to be easily defend right away and pressure them if we did lose it. Maybe this was nerves for me or maybe I'm, maybe I was projecting, but like with a backline made up of, you know, two guys I'd really never seen before um, Chapman, who I'd, I'd only seen early in the season. And then AJ, who I knew was playing sort of out of position. Uh, I felt like, the back line seemed a little iffy. Ball handling was a little questionable. Is that just me, or did you did you did you see that too? I mean, I would say uh, nerves probably a little bit. I thought that um, us being sure of our tackles and like our our initial like when we win the ball, what we're gonna do with it, um, that, that decision making came a little bit slower in the beginning. Um, I, and I think they just needed a chance to get a feel of the game. Um, but I thought that what we did well um, was our positioning for the attack they threw at us once we were able to kind of see how they wanted to play. And a lot of the miscues did come from the switching of players on their end. Um, Sloan, for instance, was kind of drifting all over the field. And yeah. when you tell you know one guy, hey, he's going to be on your side, watch him, he has to then make the decision, do I follow him or do I pass him off to another guy? And I think we just needed to kind of get that marking down early and, and figure it out. Um, and then we settled in and I thought Charlie did a, a, a great job matching up most of the game one-on-one with Sloan. Yeah. So speaking of Sloan, man, he made his mark early with, with some dangerous attacks. I think, you know, he had one shot that, that, uh, that elder took care of pretty easily. 
uh, at 15 minutes and then the goal shortly after, uh, you know, how did you plan for him? And was this something that, I don't know, was, 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 it, was what was going through your, through your mind? Like, ah, shit, like we, this is, this guy has a focus and here he goes early in the game, uh, you know, getting Oakland up one, nothing. Well, um, I'll, I'll answer your first question. So the plan of attack was we didn't know if he was going to be out on the left or potentially be central because of the personnel they were bringing. So we didn't mm-hmm. really know, yes, this is the absolute plan. This is 1A. We had 1A and 1B and 1C as to how to contain him. Um, and he right off the bat, every time he got the ball, you could see like – John was right. We should really watch out for this guy. You know, like <laughs> lesson um, learned. Lesson learned. He's good. And I thought that um, that you know, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, but um, you know, the the breakdown of keeping an eye on where he is and the positioning of what happens when he moves in and out of space is what led to the goal. He drifted into the middle, and our outside um, folks didn't uh, account for who was going to step to the ball and who was going to continue to mark him. And then he just became free. And a guy like that is going to finish his chances, and he did. And if you were down on the field, I, <laughs> I, I kind of lost it there for a second. I almost broke my sunglasses um, when I ripped them off my head. I was, you know, I just yelled at the guys that we we had one thing that we talked about and one thing only in the beginning of our team talk and what just happened. That yeah. exact same thing happened. And I was, <laughs> I was pretty pissed off to be honest with you, because you know, coming from a player's perspective, if you're behind the eight ball with bringing in 12 guys or 13 guys, you know, dressing a coach or whatever, and then you travel and then you don't, you aren't, you don't look prepared and you score early, you just park the bus and then it's extremely hard to beat you. And I'm thinking, you know, damn it, this is what's going to happen now. And all the game planning goes out the window and this is going to become a sloppy soccer game because we're going to be pressing too much. And luckily that's not what happened. Um, but we, we gave them a long leash, which we never should have with that early goal. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, however, like you said, after, you know, Charlie let him go free on the left and he's, he snuck by AJ pretty easily. I think that was pretty much the last defensive miscue that I saw in the game. I mean, I think they, that was a pretty solid wake up call. Um, and then of course city answers back, right? Like, and this is something I, I want to touch on that Martin had the whole game in, in his midfield area. He had time and space all day. He, he, he could have easily taken every time he touched the ball, could have easily taken two or three, two or three steps. He always had a, he always had a pass. Um, and this was, this was no exception. He had some time and space in the middle and he served a sweet through ball to, to his brother and he just he stayed calm and slotted it right past Steinwasher into that lower right corner. And, uh, you know, it's proof that this team was down but not out. Did you did you prep them at all to respond in a, in a different way if, if we got punched in the mouth early like we did? Well, I think, you know, before, before I get to that question, I think kind of going back to Martin, um, and you saw it, Martin is such a dynamic player when he has the ball because he, his, his head is always up and he's looking to find that next link. And whether it is like the long through ball that he played to his brother to, for the goal, or it's getting the getting the ball deep and making a five yard pass and looking to get it back, he's constantly that pendulum moving back and forth, and he's kind of our version of what Sloan did. And I thought Martin had a fantastic game because every time he got the ball, it seemed to be a positive touch versus a negative touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them sitting back like they did, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to say I'm some grand chess master, but 
uh, countering what they do with Sloan and, and how deep they play um, to get the ball and how methodically it took them to get forward. Um, we did the exact opposite with Martin where we gave him the free reign to find the ball and then do his thing with it. And, and most times than not, it was in an advanced position where we had a chance to at least create something off of it. Um, but as far as, you know, getting punched in the face, I did mention that in the team talk that, um, you know, how we respond to adversity is in, in a tournament format is going to be crucial that we, things are not going to go a hundred percent right for anyone. Um, they may in the moment and in, and in that moment we were down. I, I don't know if you noticed, but not one guy was worried. Yeah. There, there was no like, Oh man, I mean, I was worried. I'll be honest. <laughs> I was like, "Oh crap! This is." I'm thinking, Chairman Hudeman's gonna have my ass if if we lose one nothing on that. Uh, I'll I'll never hear the end of the name Sloan for the rest of my life as long as I know Dan. Um, but I, you know, I, I, the guys just responded well, and hats off to them for sure because they they took the punch in the face and didn't phase them, and then they just started doing all the punching. So the first half kind of played out to a draw, but like you said, we started doing all the punching. It wasn't really for lack of us trying. Um, I think Tim Willis found himself on the end of a real nice cross from Whitney, and he mishit what would have been a sure goal in my mind. And then right before the end of the half, he missed another chance, and I thought with guys like KP on the bench, how many missed chances from Timmy will Biz allow if this <laughs> scoreline continues? Well, I, I mean – I've I've not only had the the privilege of watching Tim play, but I've also played with him, and I know him as a player. That um, you know his goals come in bunches, and his chances are always plentiful. So with him, it was I was thinking along the lines of I need someone who's going to be working hard, and the goals will come, and they might not come from him, but they will for sure come as a result of his hard work up top. Cause that's a tough position when you're the target guy, you're doing a lot of running around and not, not getting a lot of the ball. So you're exhausting yep. a lot of your energy that you would normally have and to use to finish, um, by, you know, tracking back a defender to, to get behind the ball to, to, to defend on your own. And, you know, he just, he put in the work and, yeah. um, you know, we, we did have guys like KP on the bench and, if you saw, I had him up early warming up and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't quite know, you know, who I was going to bring in from a substitute perspective. Um, but I, I was definitely willing to give Tim a longer leash, um, from some of those early chances that I think he could have put away. Um, but you know, it, um, he was linked up, um, in the second, uh, in the second goal, which we'll get into and, and I'll kind of yeah. talk a little bit more about that. So, uh, you know, one other quick question here then, I mean, I think part of, <laughs> so part of like in the first half, there was a lot of time and space on that far side of the field. You know, we talked about how Sloan was, was super dangerous and really they ran their whole game through him, mm -hmm. which left, I mean, he was, you know, on, on our side. So he was playing on the left side from him. But for, anyway, so the whole point is on the far side of the field, Chapman and Whitney, they were, they were pretty much all alone the entire first half. Mm -hmm. um, did you talk about, talk about that at all and say like, look at all these, Look at all the space, look at all these chances we have over here. Right, I, I definitely did. I kind of talked about it throughout the first half with Charlie. That's where those long balls started to come. And yeah. I told him, I said, if you don't have anything immediately short, go ahead and try that long ball because we all automatically, even if the pass isn't on point, we automatically have numbers over there to try to win it back because Sloan was, was kind of drifting in and out. 
And I thought that that's where the lion's share of our chances either started from or finished with in the first half was we're switching the play to Whitney um, or even to Tim or even to Martin or Wexler who were uh, who were drifting towards the left side of the field. One other quick thing about about Tim in that I think that even though he did miss out on a lot of chances, he he did establish himself as a threat, and so he wasn't. You couldn't ignore him. Right. You know, the other team couldn't. The other team couldn't just let him do let him do his thing and focus on someone like Whitney or focus on, uh, uh, you know, a buy coming up the other side. It was like well, they have to worry about three real attackers, and then every once in a while, Wex would show up, and it was just a whole shit show for him. So, I mean, I think if, if anything, he established himself as a threat, and that helped out. Um, what did you talk to the team about at halftime? Because I know, <laughs> you know, going in, you know, one one, it was hard fought, and you know, we 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 did miss a lot of, a lot of chances. What do you what do you say to the guys? Well, uh, the first thing I said was we're going to talk about the negative first, and mm-hmm. that was you had one damn job, and that was to keep an eye on Sloan wherever he is on the field, and look what happened. And I said that absolutely is not happening again, and if it does happen again, changes are coming. So guys knew right away that I, even though I was serious in the beginning of the game when I told them to watch that guy, they really knew that uh, if they wanted to see out the rest of the half, they were going to have to account for that guy. So that was number one. Number two was making sure those guys knew that it's okay. Like, things are fine. You know, we're not down at half. We responded well. We have a lot of chances. We're not going to let them dictate um, how the rest of this game's going to go. We're going to take it to them, and yeah. we're, we're going to we're going to beat ourselves, or we're going to beat them. We're not going to yeah. let them do that to us. So, so the I, second oh, good. Um, no, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to going to move on and say like, so the second half started competitive, but you had more to say. Yeah, I mean, and I, I told him too. I said they're going to get tired. They already were getting tired. You know, mm-hmm. they had to sub a guy off at halftime. Who I, the guy looked like he was forty five years old. Like I don't know. How, I mean, geez, that that poor guy. <laughs> he was limping around out there, man. He yeah, was, he was worn out. Yeah, he was worn out. I think when the whistle blew from shirts and skins uh, beforehand. But <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I just told him like, just stick to our game plan, and the, we will win this game. There, there's no doubt about it. On the other side too, I I told them. We have to increase the number of chances that we create and, and the number of chances we have on target. A lot of times we were getting in advanced positions and we'd be passing the ball instead of shooting. And so if you notice, we started taking a little bit more of a chance from further out, which is what I wanted to do so that we didn't get stale as far as where our threat came from. And I thought that it, if you notice in the second half, a lot of our attack came from multiple angles instead of just one-way traffic. Yeah. So that second half, it starts competitive, man. I mean, it seemed to me that that both teams came out looking to take a physical approach, and I think the ref started calling the game a little tighter, really to keep it under control. And the citizens, the citizens were getting riled up. I could tell from this from this physical play. Were you? Well, since I'm I'm not a, we're not the professional ranks, and I won't get fined for talking about the referee. That guy is garbage, and I told him <laughs> multi- multiple well, times. We've had him in the summer. Um, we have because I recognize that fourth official too. Yeah, and I even told the fourth official, I was like, "Why do we keep getting this guy when you're a perfectly capable referee and you're standing on the sideline?" Um, I thought that the referee didn't have a good tempo to the game, and I basically like during one stoppage when he was over there, I was like, "You need to listen to me. Either be good or bad. Don't try to be both. Just <laughs> if you're going to be bad, just continue to." Let, let us play, let the guys foul each other, and then you're going to have to deal with it getting out of hand. If you're going to be good, be good. But 
find your niche and stay there. Don't waffle either way. And I thought that um, there weren't enough yellow cards. I thought that there wasn't enough explanation as to why a lot of their players were coming in late and our guys were too. And, and, yep. and I thought that, you know, I told him it's going to get out of hand if you don't figure it out early. And it did um, a lot of pushing and shoving after the play, you know, heavy challenges coming in. And I feel, you know, with all due respect to, um, you know, the Oakland guys, if we would have gone up three to one or even four to one, uh, it, could have got a little. It would have gotten way out of out of control and out of hand, and that would have been by no fault other than the referees. And I thought too that um, you know, like that guy, when we've had him in the past, he he's more of a game watcher than like a game uh, dictator, right? Like, right. He's not. He's not. He was out of position for some things. Um, you know, uh, he doesn't have constant communication with why he's making calls, what he's seeing. He just makes the call and then hopes it's the right one. And, and it was, it's just unfortunate that we have to keep having that guy cause he's terrible. And, you know, I don't think this, this level of play and this physicality is something that is for him. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure he's good at, at another level, but not this one. So the second half man was a story again, uh, the, the book, had been written and now it was the sequel of missed opportunities, right? To put this game away. I think Whitney had a couple chances. Wex had a break that was turned aside, but I think, but like you said, the ref missed a couple calls. And I think one of them was a handball in the box on, on one of Wex's breakaways. Mm -hmm. And then AJ ends up stomping the goalkeeper's face into the turf. Um, (laughs) So you had to think over all this that Steinwasher's luck would run out sooner or later, but at 90 minutes, like everyone looked beat. What do you say to these guys to keep them motivated well, and keep them keep them going for an extra thirty? I mean, in the second half, I you know I was disappointed on our finishing. It and the funny thing is, is what what do you think we worked on on Thursday of the day two days before the the game? Like, what was the number one thing that we did at practice? Hopefully, finishing. That's exactly we like worked on finishing and crossing for like forty of the uh, you know the two hours that we were there, forty minutes of the two hours. So. A little disappointed in that, and I think that if if we finish even like a third of the chances we had, that game was completely out of hand, and we would have just walked off like just with our heads hung even higher. But yeah, we you know we gave uh, we gave the fans uh, some excitement and some free soccer by letting the, the team stay in it when we could have really taken it by the neck, and and it would have been a no no contest. Not to say that Steinwasher wasn't playing well the guy was turning shot after shot away. And I thought the introduction of um, Tom Corcoran for Wexler brought a different dynamic to the game where, um, where we were attacking from more an advanced position with through balls that Tom's really good at. Um, And we were, we were throwing everything we had at him and it was just like, by no means, um, you know, a downplaying how they were, they were kind of, you know, fighting, but, we just were giving it to them and we were giving them chances. I'm thinking like, why are we not winning this game already? Yeah. Uh, so finally at 90 minutes, you know, like I said, everyone looked beat, but um, the chances, you know, after chance, after chance, after chance from a bye and Whitney again in this extra time, the winner finally comes in the 95th minute and, and Whitney still has the engine to beat two defenders um, and slotted into the lower left against the grain. He was yeah. running to the right, turns to the left, and, and is able to 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 throw that thing in there to kick. But so was this the effect of the fitness work? Finally, like I, we're we're seeing it. Like we I, that the whole time I'm thinking like all we've been talking about is fitness. When are we gonna? When's the breakthrough coming? When's the breakthrough coming? When's the breakthrough coming? Well, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
you know, I think a little bit was fitness and a little bit was us just, no matter where we were at in the match, um, sticking to our game plan. And we didn't, and you could see the two different teams. We didn't falter because we, we didn't execute our plan. We just didn't finish. Yeah. Um, where they didn't really look like they had a plan and to execute or to adjust out in and out of. Um, where we had all the scenarios run through. If we're down a goal, what do we switch to? If we're up a goal, what do we switch to? If we're tied, what do we do? Um, and, of course, I looked over at the other coaches after 90 and said, hey, guys, what do you, what do you think we should do here? You know, we have some subs. What should, what should we do? We, we knew um, at half we were going to bring on um, Tom for, uh, for Wexler. So he stayed out and actually got some extra touches while we were talking through the team talk. I, I had a little chat with him about what I wanted from him. Um, but we knew we were going to be bringing in a guy um, in the second half. But when it came to overtime, kind of the script got rewritten. We didn't know who was going to come on for who. Um, yep. Chapman going down, you know, I would have preferred to put in another attacker at that point. Um, maybe even uh, partnering uh, Whitney or um, or KP with Tim up top or maybe KP and Whitney up top. But having a, an, an extra attacker up front, um, we weren't afforded that opportunity. We brought in Landy from an experience standpoint, um, to be able to, um, you know, to help us with killing the game out. And, and, yeah. um, you know, we know we're going to, what we get, we get out of a guy like Landy. He's been there before and, you know, we're going to, you know, you, you uh, asked him a few questions after the game, which we'll get to in a little bit, but yeah, that's exactly what I saw out of him is like, this is a guy that, you know, as the boys play possession ball to run down the clock, stuff starts to get tense, mm-hmm. right? At least, and at least, you know, for me, it did in the booth and I'm sure for you down there, but you've got a guy like Landy who is able to um, bring kind of a veteran presence and sort of a calm to the situation mm-hmm. where, you know, like I said, there were a few times, like I said, in my interview, there were a few times when I saw him just holding on to possession and just using his body to keep the guys away without, you know, and just kill, kill a couple extra seconds before he gets rid of it and things like that. Um, what were you looking for the rest of the team to do in those last 15 minutes? Just like not fall over dead. Um, you know, I wasn't really worried about the fitness piece, to be honest with you. I was more worried about us not, um, faltering from our plan and, and trying to do something that we, we shouldn't be. Um, because you don't want to get exposed, you know, at that point where, you you try to do something that isn't scripted and then you end up getting like a three-on-one counterattack or something like that where, yeah. you know, I, we just wanted to make good good decisions with the ball and that I knew that the levy was going to break. And then, of course, Whitney scores the goal and then like two minutes later hits the post. And then, you know, we we just – we were we were calculated with how we, how we were attacking even when we were up, um, which I thought was smart. And I, I think yes. that, you know, we – I, I've said it multiple times, but our, we had a game plan and we stuck to it, which was great. Great to see. So player of the game, of course, you know, according to everyone, it was going to be Whitney for, for the brace that he, that he scored, but you could probably touch on almost every player on the pitch on Saturday and make an argument why they deserve player of the game mm-hmm. from everyone from AJ to, to of course, elder to, um, to even guys like Martin, like we've mentioned in, in the support role. Would you say this is like, this is kind of how I feel, but would you say this is probably the most complete game that our team has ever played? I would 100% agree with that. And I, I think that it's, um, uh, there's an experience level that we saw with some of these players. Um, not to, not to, you know, say that the, the guys that are in college don't have experience, but, um, this level, when you have that experience and the ability, it's a different game. It, it's a totally different game. It's a little bit slower. 
you can, you know, you're not as amped up. You've, you've been there before. Um, and, and I think that what we saw, um, you know, in the, in, I mean, if, let's go back to the, the, the winning goal, the winning goal came off of, um, them clearing their lines and lumping the ball forward to elder who got the ball and didn't tr- try to just keep it, put his head down and hit a long ball, just taking advantage of numbers that he saw forward. And yeah. then Tim, who we talked about in, you know, earlier on in the show, um, missing some chances and, but really working hard, getting on the end of that ball and flicking it on to Whitney who was tired and who had been running at those guys all day. But it was, it was that, that experience at the end of a game to recognize when you have a little bit left in the tank and, and really going after it. And I thought that it started with the ball that elder played and then it, it compounded with Tim fighting off the defender to flick it on. And then Whitney running past the guy and then still having that, that enough energy and enough wherewithal to kind of pull it past the, uh, the keeper across the grain. And I, I thought that, you know, um, we, we had the fortitude to be able to, um, lean on our experience of game, maybe having a game like that in our, in our pocket from a, yeah. a, another level, um, or, you know, or that experience in a situation like that. So one thing that we have talked about all season, you and I, and on the podcast a couple of times is that the successful teams in this league in the PLA have whether they're Bavarians or they're Croatians all the way over, you know, Adrian Toledo, they've got this spine that you, you like to say, they've got a spine of solid players up the middle, um, you know, from the back line up, you know, up, up to midfield a little bit. And I'm, I'm looking at elder and, and Wex and AJ. And I feel like that really came into its own on Saturday. Do you think that we're there with, with this important piece of the puzzle? Thanks to, to the player development that this tournament has really provided. I think we are. I mean, it's a different roster, right? I mean, it's it's made up of different types of players, um, different ability levels. Um, you know, would I love to have some of the guys from the summer on this team to make us even better? Absolutely. But, um, you know, on the flip side of that, I think that you can still have that player development um, from a league <laughs> perspective with the younger yeah. guys. Um, if the game plan um, over the course of a season is drawn out. And I think that we... We're showing what can happen when we do plan. Um, and not to say that we weren't planning over the summer, but we're now one year in the books com- like completely, and we're, we're slowly coming up on a full calendar year of doing this. I think we've seen what, we, what the script is, and we know how to kind of rewrite that into our favor with no matter who's on our roster. And I'm going to be having the conversations with, um, with Adam, our new coach um, next week, in fact, as to, okay, what does the roster look like for the summer and who do we bring in um, from this open cup team? If they're interested in playing with us to make us better in the summer. Um, And if not, then what do we do with the players that are going to be on the roster this summer? And, and we're going to start that script writing, well in advance than what we did last last time because we were just starting the franchise. So I got a chance to talk to uh, Landy after the game. I wanted to grab him because, like I like I said, I thought that his contribution off the bench in the last in the last half hour of the game was really crucial to just to, to the team staying calm and that sort of thing. And um, you know he's he really just backs up a lot of the stuff that we've that we've talked about. So let's let's take a listen to that. All right, so I am here with Landy Madison, uh, Landy. Excellent victory today. Obviously, super exciting and super tense. Thanks, boys. <laughs> uh, you guys have been training for a good couple months. Uh, you know, playing some friendlies, getting ready, getting ready for the for this big game. 
What was your approach leading up to it? John kind of kept it under wraps. Obviously, didn't want to put it out there. But what was the what was the approach in training to get to get the team prepped for for Oakland County? Well, just the feeling uh, during training was just that we needed to keep the uh, level of intensity high. Uh, we didn't know what kind of team that we were going to be playing, and the last thing that we wanted to do was come into the game with a mindset uh, uh, of, of maybe overlooking on point, opponents or um, thinking that you know possibly we were playing at a level higher than we were. Mm -hmm. So the idea was just to stay level-headed and to stay focused uh, day in and day out of practice, and the guys really took that mindset into the game today. Excellent. Uh, one of the things, you know, coming off the bench, you, you really produced a... Uh, a little bit of a veteran mindset, I think. You know, when you came in, uh, obviously Chapman went down. You came in and you added a level of calm to a game that ended up dragging quite a bit. What was your approach coming off the bench? Oh, it was just simply that. It was the, the boys were playing uh, playing well. They were playing uh, very intense. What I wanted to come in was add a spark to the team and, and, uh, and a kind of a level of support um, um, and, and just the, the focus for us to finish the game. Usually when, when teams play, teams that I played on in the past, uh, you play, you can you can tend to get complacent towards the end, think you've won it, mm -hmm. and that's the, the biggest thing that I tried to contribute. And definitely in the stands, we were starting to feel a little jittery. Uh, on the field, you know, you could tell the guys were starting to get a little jittery. Uh, how did you kind of bring a sense of calm to this game? Uh, I noticed a couple times just holding the ball, keeping it in possession, you know, doing the little things. You know, how would you describe you uh, you kind of helped help move that along? Well, just just that, um, playing as long playing having played. Uh, as long as I played in the past, it's just having that calm, knowing when to settle the, the, the ball down and, and to play amongst your teammates because then they'll feed off of you. So that was just my mindset was to come in, settle it down, keep the guys playing as confidently as they've been playing the whole game, and then just to finish it out. So, so all week, John and I have been talking about fitness. Fitness would be key. We knew that Oakland County probably wouldn't, wouldn't travel with the full, with the full contingent of players, um, and that obviously came into play huge when the game didn't quite last 90 minutes. It lasted 120 minutes. Oh, yeah. What's your approach when you're ready to play 90, you've been training to play 90, and all of a sudden you're staring another 30 in the face? Well, when it comes to that, it's just mental mental focus and toughness. The guys really showed that. I mean, coming off the bench, I didn't have to play as many minutes, but the guys that were playing 90, man, there were times where they absolutely made the game by making that extra tackle, by literally giving everything they had, which was impressive to me. So I give it up to the whole team for doing that throughout the extra time. I mean, and that was the what was spoken about in practice, too. So it was good all around. All right, man. Hey, great contribution off the bench. We're obviously excited for a win. Hopefully we'll see you on the field uh, for the next game, no matter where it is. All right, right on. Thanks, Landy. I mean, John, I think, you know, it's it's just great to have, you know, great veteran leadership like that on the team, even, even coming off the bench. I know Landy had been kind of threatening to come off the bench a number of times over the course of the season and uh threatening to show up and actually play once in a while but uh it's great to see it's great to see him on the field and it's great to see what what that leadership can do uh to really close out a game and i think the the one thing that he touched on that uh, i was thankful that came out in the in the interview and, and i hope that a lot of the guys think the same thing is that over the course of all this training that we did you know we we built this this team and, and the style and the system for a reason. And it maybe took a little bit for us to bu fully buy into it. But at the end of the day, when we did buy into it, you could see it on the field. And I yeah. think that um, the unfortunate thing, we're going to be getting into it in a second with the announcement of what's happening next. Um, the unfortunate thing is that we're at a high and we're, we're clicking at the right time, which was our plan and it worked. And, you know, unfortunately for us, it worked. But now we're cooling off and we're going to have to hit the reset button.
Yes, that's for sure. And uh, we have to hit the reset button because, and we'll run out of the next segment here, um, the U.S. Open Cup came out on Tuesday with with kind of a curveball for us. So we had planned on playing the next round on November 19th or 20th, and all signs kind of pointed to maybe Denver as a possible location. Um, We weren't really sure what was going to happen. And then just this Tuesday, the U.S. Open Cup website dropped a bomb. that the third qualifying round, the next round that we would be in, uh, has been moved to March. John, do you have any clue as to why they did this? Yeah, thanks, Open Cup Committee, for that, jerks. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, I mean, first off, the Open Cup Committee is kind of a weird entity, being that it's part of U.S. soccer, but it's kind of not. Um, And they tend to kind of try to step on the little guy. Um, But on the flip side of that, kind of promote these Cinderella's that come through. One of the teams we were hoping that we would play against um, would be Harpo's out of Denver. They actually yeah. lo- they actually lost to um, Aztec, um, another Denver-based team. Um, so we won't be playing Sweet them. name, sweet name. Right, yeah. I believe it comes from the Aztec Indian. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Um, we could only guess. We could only guess, right. Um, but so, you know, they – they cool us off. Um, and what they've done now is, um, you know, we were hot. Now we have to wait, which totally sucks. I mentioned before where we were geared up to like a two or three game run, um, you know, potentially being able to hit our stride and be a spoiler against some of the teams at the professional level. Um, now we will have to wait for that. Um, but as a result of this adjustment, um, you know, they're, they're waiting to see the teams from the, those pro leagues, like the MPSL, the PDL and the USL and to see who's going to be accepting their bids um, and to, then to look at the numbers and then find out what they need from the amateur qualifying group to start the tournament proper. Um, so what that means for us is that uh, it could be another amateur team that we play against somewhere, maybe East Coast, West Coast, maybe even Texas um, that we would end up playing against. Or um, what could happen is they pass through um, teams from the amateur uh, qualifying into the tournament proper and they bring in those pro teams, which would mean we would potentially get a game that could either be a home game or uh, a game closer to us, which I think could be someone like Des Moines Menace or St. Louis or even Cincinnati. That'd be sweet. So now what I didn't realize in this whole thing is that we are really only in these in the qualifying rounds. And I really want to go quickly over this tournament structure and map out our path to the real competition. And so just just for the listeners, uh, there are a number of qualifying rounds. And like you said, the the idea of those qualifying rounds to even enter in this U.S. Open Cup tournament is to whittle down these uh, these lower league teams, the potential Cinderella's, the potential upsets. And um, so we are in now, we are on to the third qualifying round. And they 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 could hold up to five if necessary. But like you said, I think there's only so many teams left mm-hmm. in our lower league. So th- three should probably do it. Um, but I really want to kind of pivot and talk about how um, I want to get really in hashtag Mitch's wheelhouse and talk about how, like, what kind of a commentary is this on the sad state of American soccer that they have to pretty much rig a tournament to prevent MLS teams from getting knocked out by by teams like us? Right. It's it sucks. Right. Like, <laughs> like why? Why do that? Like in the in the one thing that I people ask me, like, they have no idea what this is. And they like, oh, so, you know, tell me about this tournament. And I say to them, like, look. 
it's supposed to be an open format for anyone from of a certain level to be able to play against each other all the way up to the pro the top pro league in MLS. Yeah. But, but what they what they do is they they offer no travel assistance to teams that are amateur that have to go across the country in the earlier rounds. Yet they'll give teams from the MLS like eighty five hundred dollars to travel um, for games. And it's like, why are you giving these pro teams the opportunity? They've got money. They have money. We do not <laughs> have money. Like, what are you doing? It should be the the script should be absolutely flipped over. It should be about a team like. LA Galaxy coming into the NSC and playing against us and drawing those fans in and it should be and it's good for soccer when stuff like that happens. Yeah, I try to squash it. I, I just don't get it. And it's, and you know if you look back in the 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 yesteryears of this tournament, it wasn't about that until the MLS got involved. It was about having an open door for anyone who has the ability to win this tournament to be able to to win the tournament and to be able to just play good soccer and, and draw fans in. And we're not doing that now. And it's, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. You know, we, we're going about the route that we have to, we, we, you know, we didn't get an automatic birth into the, these proper rounds. So we're going to do it the hard way and we're going to take whatever they give us and we're going to turn it into our favor. I heard that. So the next round is going to be now on March 11th, which means we've got a whole winter and a little bit of spring really to keep up, keep the team together. So what plans do we have for that? And, and you know, as, a, as kind of a follow-up or secondary, like you have said before that really this cup squad is built with the short term in mind to succeed in this one and done environment. Are these, are these guys that we have really committed to the long term? Are they, we in? Are, they are. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys are looking to play, if not at our level, at a, a higher level. So there are going to be some guys that are going in and out of trials um, over the next couple months. And um, But the dedication is there to this is our tournament team, and we'll make adjustments as, as we see fit. Um, but you're right. There are going to be some guys that are going to be leaving, um, and we, we can't help that. We just hope that they – because they're cup tied to us that as long as we continue moving forward, they, they come with us. So anyway, so back to, back to my initial question is like, what plans are we, do we have to keep, keep the team humming throughout the winter? You know, um, well, we had to make that decision like yesterday. (laughs) So our plan is, it's pretty simple. We're going to hold friendlies against teams like the university of Minnesota club team. Who's currently um, gearing up for the national um, college club tournament which they were Mm -hmm. um they qualified for so teams like that um we still have mta and shattuck that'll be playing year round that we can play against we could always play against um you know some of the top level men's teams here we're going to be scheduling a friendly where the bavarians are going to come up to play against us in um, after the turn of the year so we can play a, a team that's that's quality and not just high school kids um yeah so they'll be coming up so we're going to be doing that um uh, up until the turn of the year, maybe one friendly a month or, or one every three weeks so we can just stay together. And then come second week in January, we're going to be um, starting up our our training process again with this a similar script of here's the style we want to play, here's the players we have, here's how we're going to build towards it, um, much like we did to get to this point. Um, what that also affords us is to bring in some more firepower. 
we read the rules and we have the ability to make up to five roster adjustments. So what we're going to be doing is within these friendlies, um, we're going to be bringing in players, um, you know, who have expressed interest that weren't on our initial roster um, mm-hmm. or players like AO who's injured, um, who, you know, may have the opportunity to be healthy by the time we, we roll the ball out again, bringing those guys back in and, and looking at what we have and only building off of what we've already established. Okay. So <laughs> that also kind of brings up another issue that's really been in the back of my mind. I, th- I think there was an assumption, and this is maybe just me, but I feel like maybe this got this, this, there's an assumption amongst the fans that some of these guys that we have were not planning on sticking around all that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they might be, how is that going to f- start to affect the tryout process and the potential return of some of these collegiate players that, we, that we've come to know and love? Um, we are absolutely going to be bringing back college guys. Um, they have the opportunity, obviously they were on the team last year to be afforded a chance to make the roster again this year. Um, as well as these guys. So like I, I did mention that there's some guys that want to potentially play at a higher level. Um, if they are interested in playing with us, they will be, you know, ushered past the open trial process into more of the invite only sessions that we'll have in December. Um, over the, the Christmas break for the, the college guys that are back. But building the roster based off of the guys that we, we know um, from last year and then what we know now from this team. So we have a good player pool where we can kind of draw from putting those two together. And it'll really um, start in the next couple of weeks where we're going to be, um, you know, uh, having an open trial, maybe we find that diamond in the rough. Um, but we're also looking at bringing in some college guys. One that comes to mind that's out of eligibility that could be a huge roster ad- uh, addition um, for the tournament at least would be Trey. Um, oh yeah, we've talked about Trey wanting to move on to play to play pro after his college career is over, which we absolutely would help him in that process. But um, for the the Open Cup, someone who we absolutely could use. Um, that we know and then we could bring in. Uh, another player that comes to mind would be Sam Forsgren, might be one of those guys too that you know is a little bit more advanced in college who can step into a team as we saw in Madison and play with anyone really. Um, but I don't think we're going to be saying like we're going to lean on the guys who were there just this summer or we're going to take this Open Cup team because we probably can do better with it maybe. Um, that Those those discussions aren't, aren't going to happen. It's going to be Let's look at all of the players, and then let's make the best roster out of all of it, um, of the guys okay. who are interested. So all signs are really pointing to City being able to draw from this deeper playing pool, or player pool, like we've said, for next season. Um, is that going to mean that the top segments team becomes more involved as a true reserve team? Like, how do you see that coming to life? We talked about that at length um, for some time, and the answer simply is yes. It's going to be something that we'll plan for, and we're not only going to look at it um, to have better cohesion through the player pool, um, Mm -hmm. but obviously having the options to identify players. We're going to have training sessions where um, maybe they're combined, so the Stegman's team is truly more of a reserve squad where we can get um, you know once a week that eleven aside work that you need to have specifically for that cohesion um, that that needs to kind of come together in a, in a short season like we have in the summer. Um, yeah. But you know we're going to to look at that as as well as kind of you know having these open tryouts. You know you may find that diamond in the rough that you never knew, and you can put them into the the player process, and maybe they're a little bit raw, but 
um, a few months uh, playing with Stegmans may afford them the chance for playing time with City. So we're definitely going to have that, um, and it only makes us stronger and our men's league side stronger. I heard that. So that's pretty much it, Nate. I mean, we covered a lot about. The- that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of game recap. A lot of this. Yeah. A lot of this week last week. But I hope. I think it's all. Man, there was some good shit in there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there there always is, but. Um, we kind of shit the bed on uh, throughout the year on a little segment we call City at School. But what better way to kind of breathe life into that than uh, talking to guys um, how they're doing and um, or how they did this season, um, and then catch up on some some um, you know of their their comings and goings after their their post City soccer lives. So what we're gonna yeah. do is we're gonna put a poll on Twitter. Um, and uh, we're going to ask, uh, who do you want us to interview uh, in our next show? Um, you know, some names that come to mind to me are see how Samo's doing uh, out at, uh, yep. out at uh, Messiah. Messiah. Uh, Trey coming off his last year in college. Steve being his first full year, getting a lot of minutes in Green Bay. And then Elder um, is always a great choice. Or, or it's dealer's choice and, and we get to pick. So we'll put that out on Twitter and definitely let us know uh, you know what what you think and, and who you'd like to hear from yeah I think a poll like that would be fun well um, you know that that'll do it for this week it's been a, it's been a long show but I think it's been a good one and we'd like to thank our gracious sponsor sponsor summit brewing uh, summit was there with us at the game getting served in delicious tall boys and delicious low boys as well but we all drank a lot of summit uh, so thanks a lot for sponsoring us each time that we hop on these airwaves it is October 5th season and if you haven't been pounding them, like a fiend, you need to do your taste buds a favor and 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 head on down to to the local watering hole and put some back. Uh, the the multi goodness is the bomb. <laughs> the script says the sweat multi goodness, which is not correct. It should be sweet. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, I also want to say memberships for 2017 are on sale now. I, pl- I plugged it a bunch at the game as many times as I could over the over the over the PA. But I want to point out that 2017 members, of course, will get tickets to every home game over the course of next summer, as well as um, any subsequent home cup matches that might that might come our way in in March, April, or May. And of course, you're going to get a scarf, the yep. the 2017 limited edition scarf that, uh, depending on what what design is chosen, it may or may not ask you to come on the crows. <laughs> if you if you if you want to. If you want to get a hold of us um, and understand what that joke means, you're going to have to follow us at MPLSCitySC on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Mexinate, or you can follow John at Johnny Business with two N's, two Z's, and two S's. And, of course, you can always email us if you have any questions, comments, or deep concerns about the state of your life. Uh, that that email address is mcscpodcast at Gmail. Dot com. And uh, that is all for this week. I am Nate. I am John. And hey, let's celebrate a U.S. Open Cup victory with our house band, Go Get Em Tiger. Have fun listening, folks. Good night. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy. <laughs>